are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome back to A Healthier View with your host, Beth Sims, and yours truly, Scott Clitheroe. Beth, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. It is so good to talk to you. It is great to talk to you. It's been a while since we've done this. I know. We've been uber busy. Yes. So many irons in the fire, as they say. I know, right? But we're back, and we have an exciting topic to talk about today. What's that? (gasps) Weight loss. Oh no, not the, not the dreaded weight loss talk. I know, I know. <laughs> Nobody likes to talk about that, but Hey, it's an important topic to talk about, especially since, um, I know when we speak, um, we've talked about some patients that you have been treating with COVID. That's one of the, um, the things that you really, you know, you talk about is making sure you have your weight in check. Yeah. You know, I never knew when there was the right time to talk about this Beth to bring it up, but when I was taking care of COVID patients in the ICU and uh, the intermediate care units of the hospitals, I over 60, 70% of them had a BMI over 35. They were quite obese. And I know that's not the only risk factor. And obviously these patients had other comorbidities or, you know, other diseases, but wow, it was really telling that a lot of these patients with severe COVID were obese. And I know they're still trying to figure out why that is and what all the reasons for that is, but it just made me think, I really want to work hard to try and reduce that risk because I feel like we can do that as a society. We can try to get that down. So it really made me even more passionate about the topic. Oh, you know, every day I hear people say, why can't I lose weight, Beth? And this question breaks my heart every single time I hear it. And again, I hear it multiple times a day from frustrated people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're after. We're after the truth on why weight loss is so tough to achieve for a lot of people. It is. And yet, you know, can we even decide what obese means? You know, you and I've talked about it on the show and certainly in, in person a lot about, you know, what exactly is obesity and, you know, what's, when do you start to worry about it in your own situation? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to even agree on a, on a definition, right? Yeah. Because I know the BMI chart that is so popular out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, it's a good tool. It's a good tool for someone to see kind of where they're at. But I mean, I grew up as an athlete, I'm more muscular than the average female. So that's going to look completely different for someone who, you know, doesn't exercise and who just doesn't have a naturally a lot of muscle. So I'm actually bigger on as opposed to the weight and BMI, I'm bigger on body fat. That's how I like to, um, to coach people and talk about obesity in that aspect. What about um, waist uh, circumference? 
Yeah, waist to hip circumference is really good too. Um, and it, it, when people carry belly fat more so than if it's spread out, they're going to have more issues with their heart. And, and from what I, and I've been doing this for a long time, I tend to think people that carry that belly fat, um, again, not only have heart issues, but have a harder time losing weight. I've noticed that. You know, it just seems like though, that again, um, if you took, um, you know, the rock or somebody like that, a well-known, very yeah. well-built, um, you know, athlete or something with a BMI, maybe of 30. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not obese, right? I mean, that's why I think that, exactly. you know, certainly people who have a BMI over 25 or over 30, depending on who you believe, and then have a, um, a waist circumference, especially a waist to hips or a ratio that's, uh, that's adequate or ideal, then I think that probably should be re- reassuring to that patient, right? Absolutely. And that's what I just said. I mean, the BMI is a good tool. That chart is a good tool, but you know, don't, it's not the end all be all. And I'm not a huge fan of it, but I don't want to offend anybody out there that likes that and uh, uses that on a daily basis. So it can be a good tool for some people, but for the average person like the rack or someone who is athletic, it might not be a good, um, good way to go about that. Well, this is such a hot topic. You know, I really, I mean, um, I had another patient um, who was himself obese, but I was talking to him and his wife about the plan of care. And as usual, we started talking just about, you know, once we got over the acute illness, how do we go about, you know, initiating some healthy lifestyle? And I didn't know the, the wife or the patient that well as a hospitalist, this is often the case, but she really, I started to notice quite a bit of agitation. She was experiencing some um, anxiety and, and becoming agitated and, and um, I think frankly upset. And I asked her about it and she just felt that I was going down that road where I was going to kind of label them or compartmentalize them or whatever the word is to uh, as obese and either beyond hope or and failed in some way. And it really spoke to me that the way I have to approach patients and the way I have to talk to them needs to really be full of quite a bit of love and compassion, even though I feel like I have that. I think oh, yes, we all do. can work on that, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, why eat less and move more sounds nice in theory, but that can be really insulting to those who know this, try their best, and yet the scale doesn't budge. Yeah, it doesn't. You know? And it just causes a lot of, um, frankly, hopelessness, right? Yeah. And I really like to work with people that um, are really honest with what they're eating. And sometimes it does take longer for people than other times. But, you know, if weight loss is the goal, we need to shift our food choices to foods that give us more bang for our buck, you know, foods that are healthy, that are filling nutritious foods that fill us up and make us less likely to overeat calorie bomb foods. I don't know about you, Scott, but if I have a cookie, or if I have a potato chip, I just can't stop at one. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the floodgates have opened. So I just don't eat that way. I really don't. But the foods that um, keep you full, that, um, you know, but still keep you under your calorie goal for the day are, you know, protein, like meat, fish, eggs, um, fruits like apples and berries. I mean, vegetables, you can't go wrong with vegetables like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and kale. And then, you know, quinoa, legumes, 
oats, rice, and even potatoes, even potatoes can be good for you because lots of vitamin B and potatoes. So, um, and then you just, those foods take up a lot of space in our stomach and make us feel full. And if you do that consistently, regularly, and without being miserable, you're going to have a long-term chance at losing weight and keeping it off. The problem is that consistency is really, really important. And I have this philosophy in life is nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels nothing. Unless you give me a cookie and I want the whole bag, but you know, (laughs) right. So that last statement is so impactful, but how do you, I mean, it just seems like, again, speaking from a personal standpoint, I have definitely tapped into that based on what you've taught me, but it's hard sometimes to say to yourself, to stop yourself, you know, especially in a, maybe in a setting where you're around other people or you're having anxiety or you don't have any other access, you know, to other, other, other foods, you know, that's sometimes the problem too, right? I, sometimes I get so hungry, um, and I just, I, I don't eat in time, then it's hard to restrain myself when I get access to food, you know? Yeah. And that, it takes a lot of planning. I mean, yeah. and I've not always, and I'm not the, you know, a Nazi, you know, only eat healthy foods all the time. I try to do that. Um, I, but I don't let myself get full and it does take time. Like I'm really big into intermittent fasting. Like I never eat breakfast ever. And, you know, we've all heard that old adage is breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which it might be for, for some people who have diabetes or are taking some medications. But for me, I just don't eat breakfast and I have my first meal at lunchtime and then I'll have, you know, dinner and I usually have a greeny drink or a salad for lunch and kind of the same thing, maybe a little bit more substantial at dinner, but, um, you have to train yourself. And that's the biggest thing. If you promise yourself, I am not going to get off this quote unquote diet or nutrition plan for three weeks. I can do anything for three weeks. I mean, I'm not telling people to do this. So audience do not listen to this, but I actually could go three weeks and not eat be okay. I might be lightheaded. I might be cranky. You might not want to be hanging out with me, but I could physically live and not eat for three weeks. So if you just modify your food for three weeks and say, I'm going to eat healthy, your taste buds change. They really do. I promise you they do change. Wow. I mean, I I think that's so true. Um, Do you think that intermittent fasting is also a way to kind of train yourself to just deal with the quote hunger pains that we experience? I mean, it is it's not really a pain. Do you like that term? Or, I mean, how do you look at hunger, the word hungry? I mean, this, it's such a loaded term, you know? I mean, I know personally, it is a very uncomfortable feeling to be hungry. And yet over the years, because of my sometimes poor eating habits, if I really had to pick between a little bit of hunger and that horrible feeling of being overfed or eating something that doesn't agree with me or some kind of, you know, crap, cruddy food, I think I would really take the hunger I mean, is that, is that weird to think about it that way? But it's, it's almost help. It helps me sometimes to make a choice between eating something that's unhealthy that I know I'm going to not feel well later, or just accepting that hunger, mild, hungry feeling I'm feeling. You know, that's such a personal thing. I would say yeah. that some people, um, especially if, you know, the blood sugar issues, if they get a little too low, they can get cranky and, uh, and that's going to happen with anybody. So I agree. I hate that feeling of like, I am so full. I mean, there've been times in my life. I mean, I, you know, I remember eating maybe Thanksgiving or maybe in college having 
being so hungry after gymnastics, I would eat, you know, half a pizza or something and literally not being hungry for two days because I ate so much. And that's such a miserable feeling, but some people just might hate that. Like, oh, that hunger pains, it's just too, it's too um, uncomfortable for me. So that's such a personal thing, you know? Well, I think that there's also, I don't think I know there's a lot of research going into the whole, you know, neuro endocrine gastrointestinal connection of hunger and all these different hormones. And I know there's kind of somewhat of a, that's one of the holy grails of pharmaceutical companies, right? Is to try and figure out how to way to medically turn off hunger. You know, um, one of the medications that's out there for um, seizure prevention and also for migraine prevention, I won't mention its name, but the listeners can look it up, but it's actually been used, I think off label for, um, you know, appetite suppression. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if that's another area that may, you know, come into it. And I guess it's okay if there's a pill for it. I mean, I'm not ag- against it, but it sure would be nice to be able to do it without pharmaceuticals. You know, more a natural way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I kind of like to talk a little bit about the popular diets that are out there. Just in a nutshell, I don't want to go into a long term. And then I'd like to talk about exercise. Okay. Let's do it. Um. So the popular diets are out there. We talked about intermittent fasting. That's when you cut out an entire meal every single day. So whether it be breakfast or dinner, um, I, I, I love it. I really do like that. There's also fasting when you're fasting for three or four or five days. Um, I would encourage people not to do that unless you have your physician actually supervising you. But what do you think as a doctor, what do you think about fasting long-term? I think it's physiologic. I think that's probably what our ancestors did, you know, obviously. I'm so glad you you said that. I'm so glad you said that. Okay. Awesome. That doesn't mean obviously we don't, we can't go without hydration. So we still have to stay hydrated. In fact, you know, I think that you've said it before. I think that obviously staying hydrated is a good way to suppress hunger in some ways. So I think, you know, um, but you know, does fasting mean zero calories? I mean, it can mean I've, I've seen people talk about fasting when they're still taking in like bone broth or yeah, sustenance. I mean, that to me, fasting is like out in the desert with nothing, you know, or, you know, or just literally no calorie intake. Right. Yeah. That's a true fast. I mean, there's a dry fast when you're not, I'm having any water, I'm not a big, um, proponent of that. I know a lot of religions will do that for 24 hours, like nothing, no water, nothing for 24 hours. That's called a dry fast, but Mm. I'm talking more of just a water fast, like a true water fast. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many versions of fasting too, but, um, Hey, a couple of years ago, you and I kind of did this thing where we're going to fast together. I want to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the longest you've gone without eating? And I can't remember uh, this. So yeah, it, is, was about, gonna... it, was, it was about 36 hours with yeah. literally no calorie intake. And uh-huh. you um, got a headache, didn't you? I had a headache and I slept very poorly. And I, well, you know, I had, I had less of a headache, Beth, and I had more really significant indigestion. And I, I don't know if it was indigestion or li- literally that hunger pain. That's, I don't know that, I don't know if any of the listeners experienced, but it was right in the pit of my stomach, but I felt very uncomfortable and I slept very poorly. And I, I, when I finally fell asleep, I remember thinking, oh, I can't wait to, you know, wake up and have something to eat. Cause I had been fasting since the dinner. I don't know what that time frame is. So I had ate dinner on like a Sunday night and then I didn't eat until Tuesday at about midday or late morning. So over 36 hours, but I, I felt like I, boy, I can't. So when I was going to bed Monday night, I felt like 
oh, you're man, dreaming I can't about wait. what you're going to cook. Yeah. yeah. And then I woke up not hungry. I wasn't hungry at all. I was thirsty, but I wasn't hungry at all. And then I finally did get around to eating. And it was during a work week. So I was working and um, I didn't feel like it affected me cognitively at all. I guess I was a little bit distracted Monday afternoon, a little bit with um, the indigestion or whatever that feeling was. But um, mentally, I felt pretty sharp. I know you've I know listening to you, if I could, I could have probably kept going. And I think I've now, you know, I say that pretty boldly now, but, <laughs> right. you know, so that's how far have you gone? Six days. Dang. Six, six days. days. I mean, zero calories or? Yeah, just water. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, what, what, I mean, did you have that? Did you have sleep problems or intestinal issues or? No, I had cranky problems. Really cranky. I was kind of cranky, but only on day two and three, only on day and two and three by day four and five, I was like, wow, I have so much energy. And I really, really like that feeling. Um, day six, it was kind of like, yeah, I kind of just felt like a little weak, like I needed some food, but, um, yeah, I loved it. So I think fasting, you know, again, people really need to do their homework and you need to talk to your doctor or even a fasting coach. They do have them out there if you want to try that. But another diet that's really popular that I like, the two that I really like are the Mediterranean diet, Mm -hmm. which is you focus on real foods with whole grains. You cut out the processed foods you're eating, you know, primarily fish, you know, lots of olive oil, fruits Mm -hmm. and vegetables. That's the, that's my go-to. That's my go-to diet that I talk to people about. And I also like the keto diet, um, not long-term. I don't like the keto diet long-term, but that's when you cut out all carbs and you consume only meat, veggies, nuts, and fatty sauces. Um, I think that's good for people who want to take up weight kind of quickly for maybe an event in a healthy way, but I don't like that long-term because we do need carbohydrates in our diet. Well, I mean, the Mediterranean diet, you know, I think that is a diet that most people can, can enjoy, you know, and And I know there's a lot of, there's actually studies out there that shows it has decreased. Again, they're observational studies. They're not, you know, prospective trials, but they have decreased, you know, mortality. There was one that specifically reduced the risk of, a, of a strokes. So I think that definitely something to look into. Um, maybe not so much. I'm not sure how it is with weight loss, but again, it's more than just weight loss. It's always, it's just in, improving your health. Exactly. It yeah. gets down to that. I'm so yeah. glad you said that. I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about, and we can go back to food. Cause I always like to talk about food. Um, <laughs> I know, but you know, and I did, I guess the last thing I want to talk about food right now is, you know, just being consistent, being consistent. And then once you kind of get back that three weeks, if you want to have that ice cream, you know, have a treat once a week. And I'm not talking about a full day, but having that reward system, that's fine, but really prepare for it. It's all about preparing and making sure that you don't get so hungry that you want to eat your shoe. Um, having, you know, some nuts with you or having some veggies or having an apple with you that you can actually eat and you're just not famished. So mm-hmm. you'd be less likely to um, grab McDonald's or, you know, because nearly every diet will work in short term because they lead to temporary calories restriction, but they're also going to fail in the long term if you're not preparing yourself. So, it, but I think that you just key for me personally is I'm not the most uh, organized person, um, so it definitely does take some intentionality and preparation for just wellness in general. But I think that's also maybe part of a whole quality of life issue. I think people who are 
prepared and organized and and try to push back on the entropy of the universe, <laughs> you know, yeah. it actually, I, at least personally, it makes me feel better when I have a little bit of an organized desk and I have a little bit more of an organized calendar and I have a little bit more sense of where I'm going for the next week. So that whole idea I vision, vision really organized people spending all of Sunday night working on prep meal prep for the week for healthy meal prep. And that just seems, I haven't done it, but it seems like it would be such a great way to start off your week. I have done that. Um, I've gotten away from that for the past, you know, I'm going to say a couple months, but I used to do that all the time. Lately, I've gotten really into kind of greeny drinks and um, I've been doing that a lot and that's easy and quick and I don't have to prepare. It's there. I get all, literally one of my greeny drinks has six um, servings. um, I'm sorry, the equivalent of six salads and nutrition wise. So it's pretty darn healthy. Yeah. That is very healthy. Yeah. That is. Have you noticed it making your um, activity, I mean, your energy levels go up? You know what? My nickname's Buzzy. So I, I've <laughs> always been kind of a high energy person. So I'm going to say yes, just because um, I always have energy, but, um, you know, I sleep pretty good and, and I really, and it's tasty. So, um, so I want to talk about exercise now, which is the love of my life. I love to talk about fitness. I know you do all the time is because you know how important it is, right? I do. But you know what I do have to say, and I know I've said this on the show before, if you came to me and said, I can only do one or the other, I can only eat healthy or I can only exercise. I would question that, but let's just say, okay, I would say, okay, let's focus on eating. If you want to, you know, be healthy and lose weight as opposed to exercise, you know, they're both very important, but exercise is like, uh, you know, smaller part of the equation when it comes to weight loss and health. It is important. I'm not saying you eat healthy and not exercise because we need it for our cardiovascular, for our muscle, for our bones, all that good stuff. But, um, you know, I just, there's a huge difference between exercise and strength training when it comes to body composition. Hmm. And that, I know you're a cardio guy. I know you Hmm. are. So I know you run and you swim and you're really, you know, athletic in that aspect, but I I really think it's going to, it's important for people to do strength training. It really Hmm. is. If you want to get that body composition, if you want to get your muscle um, and the older we get, the harder it is to build muscle. So that's really important. It's really, really important. So the cardio is good for your heart. It's good to burn some calories. It's good for your bones. But um, again, I'm a big proponent on strength training, like HIIT training, um, that sort of thing. You know, I have my, I've, my first thought is sleep. Um, you know, I have told you this recently that I have um, found that I have chosen sleep over exercise sometimes. To, Good, I'm good not, for you. I'm, well, of course, there's a balance, and I, I Wait, feel that's like true. that's true. You know, but I think that um, I, I just really feel like sometimes it's like exercise is important, but isn't it maybe again kind of like the dieting? It's like just as long as you're moving your body, it's the first step. I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's not so much choosing between a walk around the block and strength training. It's like, just do something, you know? Um, and again, back to that whole planning, I think if you can plan out your day and say, okay, this hour is sacred for working out. If I have to do a zoom call, I'll do it on the phone, but I got to get my exercise and my steps. Right. I mean, I think it's good about planning the day around your exercise and, and your diet as opposed to the other way around. 
Oh, absolutely. And you know, the thing about sleep is, you know, you've got to sleep. That's when your bodies really kind of heal and build themselves up. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but yeah, and it depends on the person, you know, where they're starting at. It's always about the starting point. If someone comes to me and they need to lose 50, 60 pounds and they've never stepped into a gym or worked out, I'm going to say, go for that walk, you know, and let's work up to that strength training, but your body functions differently when you strength train in all the right ways. Let me put Mm. that in all the right ways. I mean, you find it steady after steady after steady that shows you the benefits of strength training for weight management and overall health when combined with calorie restriction or eating healthy is beyond, you know, you're really going to see good results that way. Yeah. Do you find that, um, uh, the, um, the, the injury rate goes up though in clients that you really stress strength training or do you, do you counsel them on, Hey, take it Safety. easy. You don't, you don't have to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that. No, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if I'm working with someone, you know, in person, it's basically that first section is going to be like, I want them to max out. I'm going to see what their max weight is. Yeah. And then we're going to take that down maybe even by 50%. So, um, yeah, but your body, your body's, you know, sort of behavior changes when you strength train, specifically when you train in a way that really challenges your muscles in a safe way um, to where you are right now. So if mm-hmm. you have never lifted weights and you're going to start with five pounds, that's great. And you know what? You're going to be sore with those five pounds. So, yeah. But not injured. I mean, that's the key not, is like, exactly. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do this intense body training when I'm having people be on a headstand push-up or a knee push, you know, opposed to a knee push-up. So, or even a wall push-up. So it's all about where you start. That's the most important thing. And guess what happens during those 24 to 48 hours after you lift weights? What? Your body begins to um, burn fat as fuel and then Hmm. your muscles rebuilding. So you're going to lose weight and your metabolism is revved up for, you know, this time of period, you're burning more calories than normal. You're rebuilding muscle. I mean, and that's a calorie taxing activity. So it's, and it gets better. I mean, you just feel better. Yeah. Uh, Do you, do you find that some of the barriers that people have to working out um, are easily overcome? And I, I think again, it's about, you know, just situation of life, a single mom, I mean, who's got, to work one or two jobs and has kids and, um, you know, or not necessarily single, you know, married couple with just a crazy work schedule and kids and all the activities that entails. I mean, are there any tips, you know, things you can do? What can you do while you're waiting for carpool pickup or what can you do while your kid's doing homework? You know, what can you do for that brief moment between the time your kids go to bed and you fall asleep exhausted in bed? You know, there's just, again, there's all these, these barriers that are really reasonable barriers that people have to exercise. I mean, do how do you, yeah. any tips for that? Um, yeah, be deliberate in your decisions. I mean, mm-hmm. make every calorie count. Maybe it's one of those times when you're like, I'm, I can only work out um, on weekends. And if you can only work out and maybe you have to work out a little bit longer on the weekends, but certainly the very minimum, I mean, minimum, I would say, um, if you can find eight minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, there is something called Tabata 
And if you don't have eight to 10 minutes a day to work out for yourself, I really want you to call me. I want you to call this radio station. I want you to ask for Beth. And I want to talk to you because if you don't have eight to 10 minutes to work out a day, then we need to talk about time management, but you don't have to go to the gym for hours and hours and hours. Again, Tabata is amazing. And what Tabata is, is you take one or two exercises. And I actually do this frequently because we've talked about this time management and like, oh my gosh, sometimes I'm so busy. I'm like, I don't have time to go for that 45 minute hike or bike ride or whatever. Um, you take one or two exercises, let's say push-ups, even wall push-ups. Let's go back to that and squats. So for four minutes, 20 seconds on, I'm going to do push-ups and then I'm going to rest for 10 seconds. Then I'm going to go back to the push-ups and rest for 10 seconds, a four minute segment. And then I'm going to take the next exercise squats. I'm do the same thing. 20 seconds on with that exercise, 10 second break, 20 second on 10 second break for a total of eight minutes. Bam. I'm done. Wow. I mean, that's yep. quick. You, there really is no excuse when it comes to time. If you can do 10, 15 minutes, do a very thorough kind of strength training. Exactly. And that will boost fat loss. I mean, that'll, that would, that'll... yes, absolutely. And we actually had um, Dr. Osborne on the show mm-hmm. last year. Oh, yeah. He's been on a couple of times and he, that's all he does. That's all really? he does is to bought it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it goes back to make every decision count. So one big different decision as a result of you being more aware of what you put in your body and how you move your body, swapping out a salad for fries once per week, it all counts, but make your decision deliberate. I mean, we're smart people. We know what our food staples should be. We know we should be exercising and it all counts. So, you know, make it different this time. And um, you'd be surprised to find out, you know, what your body's capable of doing and how good you're going to feel. Is Tabata, wasn't Tabata named after an actual clinician or a science researcher that developed it? Or do you remember? It sounds Japanese or um, something. You had to ask me that. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Maybe we'll look that up and put it in the show notes because that's interesting because um, I I just, I I guess my, that that was the prelude to the question is how can our listeners find out more about Tabata? Is it a marketing? I mean, is it a, is it a program they have to buy or is it something No, you can get on YouTube. I love YouTube. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. You will see different Tabata, like 20 minute Tabata, 30 minute Tabata, but look up eight minute Tabata training. And okay. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that in the Lion King, a Hakuna Tabata? Or oh, I'm thinking of something else. Sorry. I don't think I've ever seen that show. <laughs> oh, Is that bad? You missed miss my joke. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna I want to laugh, but I don't know what you're saying. So. It's, a, it's a song in the Lion King. It means no worries for the rest of your life. It's a, Oh, I like that. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to insult my, the listeners by singing, but it's, a, oh, my God. You've got to watch the Lion King. It's one of the best movies ever made. And with having, when you have kids, you've seen it or listened to it millions of times. And I, I have, and it's just, it's a fantastic story. So yes, definitely Akuna Matata, but it is it's so funny. Tabata sounds like it, but oh, well, so so maybe some of the listeners appreciated the, the, pun. the pun. I'm sure they, <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And I, I've just never seen it. I'm, I'm, um, gosh, a Disney movie. Let's talk about Disney movies. Um, oh my gosh. I, you know what? My, I have some friends from college that call me Snow White. So I have to say Snow White is my favorite <laughs> Disney princess. Um, but she's got dark hair and I have dark hair. So she's my yes. favorite girl. Um, yeah. I can't. I mean, I, it'd be hard to pick my favorite Disney movie because there's so many different. 
you know, there's the live action ones, you know, like bed noms and broomsticks, which is definitely showing my age, that whole genre of 1970s, like live action shows, movies. And then there was those documentaries that they, that really got me interested in wildlife, you know, but then of course, all the Pixar movies. And I mean, Toy Story, the original and the yes. Toy Story one and two, those two are fantastic. And then of course, um, um, Up, the movie Up with uh, the old oh, gentleman voiced by Ed Asner and the kid. That is a wonderful <laughs> movie that never ceases to to pull tears out of my eyes, but it's so moving. I don't know if you've seen that one, but that's a great movie too. But I'm sure I'm leaving a lot out because they're all good in their own way. Soul just recently came out last year. Soul, S-O-U-L, Soul was a great movie. Fantastic movie. In fact, I recommended all my uh, colleagues at my hospice that I work at watch Soul because it really had a lot to do with, um, you know, death and dying and the meaning of life and all those deep questions, which is so funny for an animated movie but you know it's got oh my gosh it's so good yeah so well you know i i I want to circle back to sleep because i know that you know you and i talked about it i've been really trying to be more intentional with sleep and i got an apple watch and it's helping me with sleep and i actually looked into it and i i can't quote the studies off the top of my head but you know there's been some data that that if that subjects and studies that slept less their their fat burning was uh, affected by that negatively. And again, that's about as best I can summarize it, but, and I guess it's intuitive, but I think you, sleep has got to be, if you're not sleeping well or sleeping enough, any dietary exercise weight loss plan that you choose may be negatively impacted. Yes. So I think that has to factor into it. Absolutely. And stress too. I mean, those are two things and I actually yes. like to make this show maybe a two-parter um, and we can talk about sleep and stress a little bit more, but absolutely, absolutely. And again, there are study after study shows how important sleep is. And there's so many people out there that have this big bravado, like I only need five hours of sleep a night and I'm healthy and I can, you know what, that's great. But what it's doing to you and your body, um, it's not a good thing. And your body between the hours of 10 PM and 2 AM, that is when your body heals the most. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage people, you know, seven to nine to nine hours of sleep a night, seven, a minimum, um, and you can go up to nine. I mean, I'm with somebody I can sleep 10 hours a night, you know, yeah. I, can. I love that sleep, yeah. but um, sleep is so important. It is. And I want you, I'm going to challenge you to find okay. a sleep expert that works in your field. And I want to have them on the show. I really definitely. want to do that. Yeah. We've talked about that. I definitely want to get that going. Cause I think that at least in the course of my career, sleep has become much more of a steady topic and, and quite a little bit less mysterious, but there's still a lot to be learned about about it, but there's a lot of research going into it. So definitely. And also again, that just that vicious cycle that I see a lot in practice, which is the more obese one becomes, the the poorer they sleep because of sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. But there's other issues that have to do with the the pulmonary system and the patient and the person's response to oxygen and, and carbon dioxide levels. And there's oh, this really? whole syndrome yeah. called obesity hypoventilation syndrome, which is a fascinating thing that is not really is not exactly obstructive sleep apnea, but they're somewhat tied in and the treatments can be similar. But um, anyway, yeah, I think definitely sleep would be a good area for us to focus on in, in future podcasts, you know. 
I mean, you're going to quickly run into speed bumps and roadblocks and all that bad stuff. Um, oh, yeah. If you don't slow down and actually have, you know, sleep hygiene. And one thing that I notice is I have to have a little bit of white noise when I sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and with that fan going, sometimes, now I read somewhere or someone told me that when you close your eyes and you're sleeping, your eyes aren't like completely closed. So I started sleeping with a sleep mask and that helped me a lot. Really? It's really cute. It's got little flowers on it. And, um, but yeah, I, um, not every night, but I have one. And when I do, yeah. And I wear blue blocking glasses, but, oh, I want to have, I really want to have a show about sleep because I want to talk about my blue blocking glasses. I want to mm -hmm. talk about my sleep mask. I want to talk about, you know, snacks I have before I go to bed. And if I have something heavier, I don't sleep as well. Um, yeah, let's do that. Promise me you'll do that. Uh, definitely. And I, yeah, it would all be in the context of having somebody who's an expert in that area help us with making wise choices. Because again, I know the, you got me kind of interested in the whole blue light block and it's bewildering amount of choices out there. You know, my gosh, so many choices. And of course your phone can, can, can limit them. And I'm sure your computer can too, but you know, it's, it is. And then also sleep mask. That's the first time I've heard of that, Beth. I, I'm curious. I mean, I've, I've obviously seen people wear sleep masks on planes or, you know, um, elsewhere, but it, the benefits are there even when you're in your own bed at night with the lights off, huh? Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of a sleep weirdo. Like I have to have the kind of the perfect to fall asleep. Once I fall asleep, I'm out. But yeah. like that first like half hour, it needs to be perfect. I'm okay. like sleeping beauty. There we go. Talk about Disney princesses again. I'm like, <laughs> it just needs to be perfect. And then after that, I'm good. Yeah. You know, a war could be going on and I wouldn't know it. So, um, well, that's good because some people have a trouble, have no trouble falling asleep, but then they awaken uh, early, you know, and in fact, that's been tied to depression early morning awakening and, and it, it has been tied to depression. So, yeah. So there's, there's the ability to fall asleep and then stay asleep, which I guess are all tied together. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, well I kind of like to do a recap real quick before we kind of close. Can I do that? Well, okay. But I, I've been thinking about this and I, can I do something though? No. Well, of course you can. Of course you can. I want to try to summarize what I would, I, I, let me summarize in a way that I would tell somebody listening who's motivated what they should do. And then you yes. can correct, you can correct me or, if, but I would tell somebody to, to do some research and, and find out more about the Mediterranean diet, yes. prepare a shopping list and pick a Monday morning where you're going to start that week and eat nothing but a diet that's friendly towards a Mediterranean diet or tries to follow a Mediterranean diet. And that'll involve the weekend before that, maybe doing some meal prep and, and then also maybe planning your calendar out for that week of how you're going to you know, do it. You're going to have to get up a little bit earlier to prepare your breakfast or what have you. And then uh, look into Tabata and within the reason of your current physical stamina, try to do some Tabata training, but also just move your body. You know, uh, if you have a desk job, then try to stand up at your desk. Even if it's not a stand up desk, just, just stand up for a few minutes, an hour, um, get the, you know, blood going, um, try to go for a walk, you know, like we talked about in the show before, take the stairs. If you can take a uh, park further away from the door of your grocery store or store, and then just try to get some sleep. 
Absolutely. And you know, and I want to say something, you were talking about that one patient who got a little frustrated, maybe a little Mm -hmm. emotional that they couldn't lose weight. And what I do when I tell people it's, you know, there's so many factors that go into losing weight and I I am confident that I can help those people. Um, But there are environmental issues. I mean, you can smell Cinnabon minutes before you even see it. I mean, there are psychological Mm -hmm. challenges, there's menopause, various medication side effects, hormones, depression, anxiety, and other issues. And these cause our bodies to crave certain foods um, and try and store food, making it tough to keep our calorie intake under control. Um, And you can't exercise your way to to weight loss. And when your metabolism slows down, when you lose weight, you're going to have to eat fewer calories and your body will try to keep its fat stored. So even when you lose weight, your body wants to keep the fat just like it is. So, and if you lose weight, you're going to have to keep working on it. Are you going to put the weight back on? So absolutely great conversation. We didn't even talk about Beth. Um, the thing that I have uh, heard a little bit um, that patient reminded me of it because she brought it up is that there's a lot of thought about the gut biome, the microbiome, the oh good, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the bacteria in our gut mm-hmm. may have a role in, in obesity as a draw, general term, but in metabolism and in, and fat burning and all that, which just is mind blowing. And if that's another area of interest and, and research, then I think it just should tell our listeners that obesity is complex and it's not a personal failure and it's okay. And it is not right to discriminate or to be mean or to make fun of people who have a weight issue. It is not a good thing to do. And I don't think that we're a very woke society now. And I believe that we should all treat people as the wonderful entities they are. And that includes people who have a weight issue. It's not a personal failure. It's a, it's a medical condition. And I think it's um, high time that we start treating it that way. I know. And recently, I mean, within the past five years, it's actually become a diagnosis, correct? Mm-hmm. Obesity is oh, yeah. a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I just, and again, back to that, I, I almost want to dedicate this show to that woman and who obviously shall remain Aww. nameless and her husband, because it just broke my heart. I mean, she told me I could write a book about weight loss. I know about all of the diets that, you know, and she was, she was very sharp and she says, I've tried them all and I'm working on it and I struggle with it. And I know there's more to it than that. And, and I looked at her and I just listened and I said, you're right. There is a lot more to it. And it's a complex issue. And you have a right to be heard and a right to be valued as a, as a patient, as a human being. I really think that in the healthcare system, again, on one hand, we, you know, we're trying our best to help our patients, but the way it's set up, we don't have time to just listen like I did that day. And, and we don't have time to just, you know, uh, uh, personalize the plan, because I really do think one thing may work for Beth Sims and Scott Clitheroe may not work for somebody else, you know, so I think that, that unfortunately, folks have to really take it on themselves and, you know, look for healthcare providers to be their ally, hopefully, and for wellness coaches like you to be their ally, but it really has a lot of it has to do with kind of your own intentionality, your own research and your own trial and error and, and just not to give up. Well, you know, one thing I would like to say, I don't know if this is a patient of yours that you see regularly, but I just want to put it out there. If you ever, or when you speak to her again, I will work for her, work with her for free. Oh, that's I nice. Will. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely. very sweet. I will. I, again, being a hospitalist, I don't know if I'll ever see her. It was her husband who was my patient, but um, yeah, I, I, I just, I think about them and I pray for them. Cause I just feel like, um, you know, in all my patients, I just, 
Yeah. And again, COVID really brought it forward is that obesity is, is, is definitely something that puts you at risk for different diseases. And, um, and I really, uh, I would love for the rest of my career to be just helping people, you know, including um, yours truly just, you know, keep their weight in check and keep their weight healthy, you know, and then just, and kind of, um, you know, realize that we're all in this together, that some people are really Aww, lucky genetically mm-hmm. or whatever to be, have not a weight issue, but those of us that, who have weight issues or those that have weight issues that it's, it's okay, you know, and, and we can work on it together as a society and to make it better. You know, I think that's really a, a, a value, um, a valuable thing to do with one's life. Yeah, it is a constant battle, but it's one that's absolutely worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're broken. Um, they're not doomed. They're not flawed. Um, but it starts by using all the tools at their disposal. And But, um, well, great conversation. Definitely. And um, we're going to go to commercial break, and we will be right back. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. All right, we're back Beth, what a great show. I enjoy I that. I know. I love talking with you. You're so insightful. Well, I, you're inspiring and insightful. I, I really feel like we could probably do every show on obesity and weight loss because isn't it just so much of a problem? But, um, you know, I really do think it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team effort and we're all in this together. That's what I want everybody to take home. I love yeah. that. We're all in this together. Yeah. What do you got planned for um, the rest of the day? Anything? Just a little bit of work, a yeah. little bit of work, and then I might do some do some Tabata. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to. Are you? I'm going to Hakuna Matata and do some Tabata. I love that. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> so funny. All right, you should you should definitely go watch Lion King. I highly recommend it. Him? Yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll do that tonight. It's storming here in Houston, so maybe I will do that. Well, we'll bat down the hatches for sure. Yeah, watch some TV. Well. Again, we really appreciate our listeners. Thank you for listening and thank you for um, giving us suggestions and for giving us comments and, um, you know, maybe recommending us to a friend. And uh, don't forget that you can follow our uh, podcast at all your favorite podcast sites. And uh, don't forget to check out other um, uh, programs. So with that, Beth, thanks for uh, another great show. Oh, you too. And we will see you next time.